a stranger with a gun came upon two teens taking pictures under a rising full moon. But violence is only the beginning of this story. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are. And this is a big one. I'm Amy Donaldson, and I've spent my career talking about how lives are undone by violence. The Letter is a podcast about how lives are remade. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Inside Sources with Boyd Matheson. Pacific duty is on the mind of voters as we hit the polls and the ballot boxes ahead of tomorrow's election. But a recent survey shows that civics in schools is not top of mind for students and educators. Really pleased to having uh, back on this program once again, Rick Hess, Senior Fellow and the Director of Education Policy Studies at the American Enterprise Institute, where he works on K-12 and higher education issues. Rick, thanks for joining us today. Hey, my pleasure. Good to be with you. Uh, so let's dive into this. So you had a great piece uh, talking about, uh, first, the, the point of civics education, but give us kind of a, a state of the nation. Where are we as it relates to both what's being done and what our attitudes are about civics education? Yeah, it's it's a great question. You know, it's funny. I come at this as somebody who last century used to teach high school high school civics, and so, <laughs> you know, I'm invested in it. Look, I don't think it's any great secret to say that we're a mess. Um, we're a mess as a nation in the sense that our understanding of what good civics is seems to be if I get my way, <laughs> things are good. <laughs> so you've got you know mainstream media types who will quite appropriately blast. Uh, you know, Trump and apologists uh, for election denialism. But at this, you know, on on a hairpin turn, as soon as it comes to Hillary Clinton insisting that 2016 was stolen or Stacey Abrams saying that votes were manufactured in Georgia, they suddenly clam up. And, you know, at that level, what we've got is not a respect for our institutions and our civic arrangements, but what we've got is, is game playing. And then what we've seen in this brand new RAM survey of America's teachers is a uh, real concern that K-12 teachers don't have any more of a um, developed or appropriate sense of what they're supposed to be teaching kids uh, than the rest of us do. Yeah, well, dig into that for us. So what is it that uh, they, is there any indicators in terms of what anyone think should be taught in civics education or are we are we just kind of playing politics with it all well you know it's 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 strange so uh rand took this survey instrument that's been used in a bunch of countries around the world to ask teachers not just civics teachers but teachers who work in k-12 what do they think kids are supposed to you know learn when it comes to civics um and some of the results were just hugely frustrating um, when, you know, when asked whether one of the top three things kids should learn about civics was about our political and social system, only 23 percent of teachers thought that was a top three concern. Mm. <laughs> only 11 percent of teachers thought teaching students to defend their point of view was a top three concern. Only 40 percent of teachers uh, said uh, understanding a citizen's rights and responsibilities were. What did teachers think was really important? <laughs> the one that two-thirds of teachers said uh, was they want to promote critical thinking. The problem is 
if you're not teaching kids about rights and responsibilities, you're not teaching about citizenship, you're not teaching about our political system, I have no earthly idea what they're supposed to be critical thinking about. Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. She was tear gassed and beaten. Images of thousands desperate to escape Taliban oppression filled our news feeds. More than 80,000 Afghans made it to America. But the story didn't end there. It was very cold. There was no power, no heat. Who would help our newest neighbors? I'm Andrea Smartin. In Stranger Becomes Neighbor, you'll hear the stories of some remarkable refugees who left their homes and their dreams behind only to start over from zero. Their only possession was three blankets. And you'll meet Americans who stepped up to help them. You want me to come when you deliver your baby. What can one person do in the face of an international disaster decades in the making? That's Stranger Becomes Neighbor. Find us at kslpodcast.com, follow us on Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. Uh, I think that is a, a crucial part of that conversation. <laughs> is uh, in, We always say uh, on this show that uh, when, when the sea is calm and the wind is light and the sun is out, uh, every boat in the harbor has a great captain. Uh, but but when the uh, the sea's rough and uh, the storm is cruising through and uh, the sea is turbulent, uh, you better hope that you have a captain who knows the sea, who knows the boat, <laughs> and and can get you safely home. And it seems to me that this this idea that you just pointed out, Rick, in terms of critical thinking, uh, yeah, we can we can think critically about all kinds of things. I can think very critically uh, about the uh, state of the Utah Jazz <laughs> and uh, you know <laughs> what's happening in uh, in the NFL. Uh, but can we really do it with an understanding? And it seems like without that lack or with that lack of understanding in terms of the branches of government and how it functions and what it's supposed to do and what we should expect as citizens, uh, it just seems like it's a, a whole lot of chatter and clamor uh, versus a, a lot of certain principles and things that we can actually have a debate about. Yeah, because remember, I mean, this is only asking teachers, what do they think kids need to learn about? So, you know, you know it's funny, the number two answer after critical thinking was uh, developing conflict resolution. So, I mean, what this says to me is that, you know, we've got teachers who are so nervous about taking sides Mm -hmm. that they I I, I, I fear that they have come to think that teaching kids about our political system is somehow seen as too invested in old fashioned Americanism um, that they give these answers that are safely content free. The, 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 the other odd thing is that while only 23 percent of teachers said that a top goal should be teaching kids about social, political and civic institutions, more than that, 27 percent said that one of the top priorities should be teaching kids, should be promoting environmental activism. Um, so, again, if your notion of good civics instruction is not teaching kids about civic and political institutions, but is promoting environmental activism, uh, that suggests that you have at best an inch-deep attachment to really understanding how and why our democratic institutions are supposed to work. Yeah, and I I think you've hit on something so critical there, Rick, in terms of the institutions at a time where our our trust and our confidence in the institutions of government is so low. If our students aren't learning 
what they are or why they should or shouldn't have confidence in those institutions, then uh, then we're really in free fall. Uh, and if all we're worried about is making sure we're conflict free, uh, that usually means we're also content free or creative thinking free uh, that I think prevents us from actually doing what the country's designed to do. You know, and I mean, I think you see this in our debates about the filibuster and debates about packing the Supreme Court is, you know, part of the reason um, that the Democrats have been so frustrated with the court is that they blew up the filibuster for court appointments Mm -hmm. uh, back under Harry Reid. And they came to regret it. The, the, The nice thing about strong institutions like we have inherited is that they provide safeguards. They protect us from extremes or from rash decisions. Well, part of the problem is, is by not teaching kids about how these systems work, why is it so painfully slow to write legislation in the U.S.? Um, Why does our court system work the way it does? By not teaching kids to understand this and the ways in which it provides hard-to-see benefits, uh, we wind up, I think, strengthening the hands of the re- reactive, radical kind of, you know, blow it all up crap right. from the left and the right. Yeah. And that's, I think, I think that's bad for all of us. And it's especially bad for the kids who are going to inherit these institutions that it took two centuries to build. Yeah. Yeah. And that is not good for the constitutional republic in the end. Uh, Rick Hess, senior fellow and director of education policy studies at the American Enterprise Institute. Important conversation about civics and civics education. Uh, we've got to fully engage and figure that one out, uh, or we really don't have a lot of uh, a hope in terms of what comes next in the future. Rick, thanks so much for joining us. Hey, my pleasure. Thanks for having me. All right, that wraps up hour number one of Inside Sources here on KSL News Radio. We'll step aside for some top of the hour news, but don't go anywhere. In hour number two, we're going to kick it off by talking about the monsters that are created by political ads, how we demonize opponents, and we're going to break down some of those monsters and show that many of them are myths. Stick around. We'll be right back. A stranger with a gun came upon two teens taking pictures under a rising full moon. But violence is only the beginning of this story. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are. And this is a big one. I'm Amy Donaldson, and I've spent my career talking about how lives are undone by violence. The Letter is a podcast about how lives are remade. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts.